welcome to Bookphoria Podcast, the place for people who just love to read across genres, subjects, and themes. I'm here to talk to you about what I'm reading, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Bookphoria Podcast. Today, we have quite the treat. Uh, wow. I don't often do this break from my routine to read other things because I, my, my book list is frankly so long. I don't like to have things cut in line, so to speak. But when something does cut in line, it's because it has had a significant pull on me. And so one of the examples being uh, this one in particular, the book called Certain Dark Things by Silvia Moreno Garcia. Damn, this book. Holy shit. Um... You know, it's kind of crazy when a short book like this, like I think it's, what, let's see, 220-ish pages. Not not a long book as far as books go. It's almost a novella, almost, not quite. And yet it has such a powerful punch it packs to it. It's kind of incredible. The general setting is gorgeous. Uh, as you all know, or maybe don't know, but now will know, I am a real fanboy when it comes to world building. And uh, the author here does a fantastic job of world building with one of my favorite subjects, vampires. Uh, I don't know if anyone has played the game Vampire the Masquerade. Great game. You should go out and play it if you haven't. It's somewhat older, so it's adaptable to most platforms, I would assume. Um, It's a lot like that in the sense that there's not just a type of vampire. There's many types of vampires that have split along the evolutionary tree, that they all have different traits, different, slight different weaknesses. It's like a biological take on vampirism. And I absolutely love how the author differentiates them kind of based off of the the mythology they came from in a sense, but also with some biological characteristics that would explain it along with some really well thought out psychological characteristics that define each toward sort of a vampiric um, I guess subclan or subspecies, and in a way that also impacts their culture as well, and how their culture impacts, I guess, their that vampire species. And so it's kind of interesting what she did here. She set up this gorgeous world with with such lush backstory, and it's in the midst of Mexico City, which is quite the interesting city in and of itself to have a setting for any book, right? And she has it within this uh, fictionalized Mexico City where, of course, everyone's aware of the different types of vampires and the world has reacted in quite a specific way. Quite another theme I I absolutely love in general is anytime the supernatural has become apparent to uh, the world at large and to the public and how the government response or even the cultural people's response, you know, is to these phenomena being every day now. So in this case... How that manifests is Mexico City, among a couple other major metropolitan cities, have declared themselves no vampire zones. So while vampires can, you know, do normal, I guess, vampire things in other places and, you know, everyone has their own policy, these cities are like no vampires allowed. Any vampire on site will be arrested, basically. And so it's it's a fantastic setting to start on as it is, but the story itself is pretty great. I mean, it's not the most amazing story, but that's not to say the book wasn't incredible, because it was. The story itself is 
very um, simple in a lot of ways. Vampire turf war goes wrong. Last survivor tries to escape. That's pretty much the entire plot. Um, but it, I think it should speak volumes that it demonstrates an author's skill when they could take a very simple plot and make it earth shattering for the reader, right? Emotionally. So she clearly does this with her very, very strong characters being Adel. I don't know if I said that right. Atl, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's a Nahuatl word from the indigenous culture of the Aztecs. And that's kind of, you know, the whole shtick about where this vampire line comes from. They're, they're native. And her name means water, but it could also, uh, along with the longer form, means basically war or warfare. So she really embodies this in a lot of ways because um, she's not inherent. She's not how you would consider, I think, a warrior. I mean, she is and she isn't, right? She She's a badass uh, female fighter. But, you know, when you think of a warrior, you think of this internal power of, of I don't know, being game, right? Have, having trained in some fighting martial arts myself, jiu-jitsu, boxing, Muay Thai, etc., you kind of see people who are fighters at heart and people who are just, you know, they're, they like the hobby and she's not necessarily a fighter at heart, right? She, she enjoys having fun and she's kind of has like a very kind heart, uh, underneath all her, you know, stuff going on. She's a sensitive soul in a lot of ways and it's kind of beautiful, but she is born in this tradition of warriors and Domingo which is kind of her human, I don't know, human servant sounds like a strong word. It's not quite like that. But it's this boy who is uh, born in the street, or rather not born in the street, but he's uh, ends up being in the street. I forgot if he's like 16 or 17, uh, maybe a little bit older. I, I don't quite remember. Oh, he might be 20. Either way, don't quote me on any of this specific age stuff. But the idea is um, he is quite the unique protagonist uh they both are as a matter of fact but domingo i think of in particular because you don't often think of a protagonist being in you know grinding abject poverty i mean this guy literally lives on the streets and he has a, a, a carriage he pushes and he collects garbage to sell i mean he's pretty much the less the least romantic sounding protagonist you can consider but man does he have a heart of gold and do you kind of just like want him to succeed uh it's such a strange thing to think and consider that most protagonists uh in, in a very classist way they tend to have higher socioeconomic status or even if they're poor they're not that poor right they're like poor as in charlie and the chocolate factory living in a house and scrounging to meet get ends meet but they're not like homeless on the street, poor, which is kind of a thing that you notice how invisible this class is, right? We kind of assume if you're poor at a certain level, you know, your your story is worth some time. But if you're really poor, like on the street, maybe you don't want to hear that story. And I think that's something beautiful that this author does. She kind of puts a spotlight on what this life is like. And even if it can be difficult to read, that's kind of the point, right? She's creating this narrative where we have this main character who isn't like they, they describe him as handsome, but with very bad teeth. 
They describe him as skinny and I think rangy, something like that. So he's not like traditionally beautiful or handsome. He has his good looks and his good features. But a lot of it is basically saying like, look, just because someone is handsome doesn't mean they're a protagonist. And in the converse is just because they're not super handsome doesn't mean they can't do amazing, powerful, great things. And I think this is such a beautiful part in this book, among many beautiful parts in this book. Um, Where to even start, honestly? I don't want to give too many things away um, because I would really encourage anyone who's interested to read this book. But I will say that this author writes a beautiful book. Um, if For those who are not aware, she's most famous, I guess, at the moment for her book called Mexican Gothic. And that book, ironically, I have not read, even though that's kind of the one that's been propelling her most recently. This book, Certain Dark Things, apparently is something of a cult classic, and I can kind of see why. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely part of that cult now. It's just something gorgeous about it. It's like it, it's like a one, one single punch, right? Whereas a lot of books, they will, you know, in this metaphor, punch you a few times to soften you up and then hit you once really hard as like a finisher, you know, the climax or whatever, the ending. This book is really just one solid punch to the jaw. And it just knocks you out. And it's kind of beautiful in that classic way that, I don't know, I imagine what theater or or acting is beautiful when you look at the classical acting where you're just trying to evoke a character and embody a character. And in this same way, you fall in love, not because the plot or the world building is great, because they both are, uh, but instead because the characters are very real. They're not even like, necessarily good people on the whole I mean maybe Domingo is but you still are somehow following them and you feel the complexity of their character you never really think for a second that anyone is a good guy or a bad guy except for maybe one notable asshole Um, but everyone is just a person and I think that's another beautiful thing the author is able to construct from this novel that everyone is so complex, you don't necessarily feel like there's a good guy, bad guy dynamic going on. And on top of that, her writing not only conveys this very strongly, but even the parts that don't convey it directly are so poetically done by demonstrating what uh, what each character is willing to do and what they're not willing to do and what they're willing to consider and how they will even lie to themselves about something and then act contrary to their own lies. And it's such a fascinating way to depict humanity because that's exactly how we are if we're being honest with ourselves. We lie to ourselves all the time. We think maybe the worst or the best of ourselves and then we surprise ourselves with how we actually, you know, how our behavior actually manifests. Um, There's not much else I could say about this except that I will most definitely be tracking this author in the future. Um, in fact, I might start her other book and delay the third book of you, although I do want to keep on track. But just so y'all know, the next book I will review will definitely be the third book, or rather the second book in, um, oh, what is it even called now? City of Blades is what I will be reviewing. And um, I hope y'all enjoy it. Until then, happy reading.